Yo, welcome to the latest episode of both of the podcasts that I do, Nickel City Soundtrack and the HMNI Fanzine Podcast. I originally recorded this episode for the HMNI Podcast because the guest, Jesse Viscato, was supposed to be on the HMNI Podcast when I was doing it originally uh, a few years ago. So I decided that I want to do that podcast again. Originally, the H1I podcast was me interviewing hardcore bands and hardcore scene people from Buffalo. Um, in fact, the first interview that I did on that podcast was my co-host on the NCS podcast, Chris. And um, I kind of stopped doing the podcast for whatever reason. Got to be too much work. But then during the pandemic, Chris approached me about doing NCS podcasts and I guess the rest is history or something. I decided that I want to do H&I again because there's interviews I want to do that don't involve people from Buffalo. So I want to get back to doing that. Of course, Jesse is from Buffalo, so he'll probably be the last Buffalo-ish figure that I interview on H&I Fanzine podcast. Um, so it's not going to be out as often as the NCS podcast, which is out weekly. It'll probably be like once or twice a month. So keep an eye out for those. I'll post about it on my social media, NCS social media. And I think this podcast has so HMNI fanzine podcast and social media as well. So check it out. Look out for new episodes of HMNI and of course, NCS will come out every Sunday as usual. And thanks for the support and thanks for listening. See you on the next one. For the first time in over a year... Welcome to the next episode of the HMNI Fanzine podcast. Uh, back then, Gus was always here assisting, but he couldn't make it today. So, Alex Byrne, who I, is is here, and he's on the NCS podcast with me, which I've been doing for the last year or so. And we're here interviewing Jesse Moscato of various buffalo hardcore things say hey jesse hey jesse <laughs> of course you would do that <laughs> you tell me to say hi mark hi alex <laughs> where so is I, gus what's gus's deal he just he had some stuff to do that it was kind of last minute i was like we're not doing an ncs podcast interview so i was like let me do an interview tonight so that's cool so the first thing i'm gonna ask you is how did you get involved with underground music? Underground music, I, I would say that that definitely came from uh, skateboarding and getting involved with that scene. And then just by the way of finding other like-minded individuals that were super into skateboarding, obviously punk and hardcore was a big part of that culture. Watching skate videos that had super cool bands in it and soundtracks obviously McRad being one of them but um i also had a lot of friends that had older siblings who were in high school already and were definitely involved with going to shows at that point and um i think that i had already been into metal 
just mm-hmm. as a little kid and, you know, growing up around a lot of 80s folks that were into that type of stuff. But it really wasn't underground listening to Maiden and whatever was lying around Motley Crue and Aerosmith and all that stuff. Um, but my buddy, Tim Nugent, uh, his older brother, Sean Nugent, uh, was really good friends with, from what I remember, uh, like the Snapcase guys and then like Sue Rhodes and stuff like that. And uh, he, we're just hanging out at his house and his brother was a good skating comrade of mine. And uh, I don't remember what we were listening to. I think I had already been listening to like the Misfits and Suicidal Tendencies and stuff like that. But he gave me a speak out from Bold and uh on cassette and he just kind of shoved it in a little 80s cassette player and was like you guys need to listen to this and and uh i just remember never hearing anything that had that type of like just kind of intense off the scale not really it just almost seemed like pre-planned i guess or, or not pre-planned like it was like so just intense and outside of the normal like perfectly produced album and strategically placed parts i mean obviously the song structures were there but me being at the age i was i had never heard anything like that how old were you at this time i'm gonna say this was what year did speak out come out 88 89 yeah around there so i want to say it was probably 1990 so it was a little bit after it had come out you know maybe 89 you know it was definitely middle school um but i would say between 89 90 and uh so i was pretty young and and i was like i said i was already into metal so i was already into like aggressive music but yeah it wasn't like listening to metal, which was about like, you know, just wizards and Satan and all sorts of stuff like that. You know, listening to like hardcore music, it was like the lyrics captured you. They they yeah. actually had something that was had a little bit of substance to it, you know? Definitely. Oh so, yeah. That would be about the time frame. And that was the first hardcore band that I that I actually got into. So when did you first start maybe going to shows? 1990. Yeah. Do you remember what your first show was? Maybe it wasn't 90. Maybe it was 91. Um, this is a long time ago. Yeah. I would say that um, my first, and I could be completely wrong on the, well, when you say going to shows, you mean like going to hardcore shows? Yeah. Or like going to see bands. You know, hardcore shows. What was the first like hardcore show you went to, or a local show? You know, like I was, I had seen some concerts. Uh, The very first hardcore show I ever officially went to was Snapcase at Randall Studios. What year was that? Early nineties. Fair enough. I want to say it was the. Whenever, I mean, Gallus was still in the band. Daryl was still playing bass. Mm-hmm. So whatever years that was tracking down, because I don't quite remember it. 
Um, Mike Kamade was still playing drums. Yeah. So um, it was a lot of green snap case jackets. There were green snap case jackets? I re- that's what I remember. I was telling you, it's a long time ago. And uh, I went with my buddy, Ralph Tibbetts. And, uh, and I definitely got a skinhead jumped off on the monitors. I definitely got kicked in the head. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, but it was thrilling, man. And uh, it was fun. It may have been later than 91. I don't know, but I, I seem to re- remember it being when I was in like ninth grade. Yeah. Or, or the summer before ninth grade. Cool. So what, uh, as people might know, you're, you're a musician of various varying instruments. When did you start playing drums? Was it before or after hardcore? Um, I, I think I, I got my first like real drum set in like seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. So before. Yeah. So what, what inspired you to start playing drums? Uh, probably. Um, I mean, my dad's a musician, you know, yeah. he's a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And I, I think honestly, like, you know, when you, like I, I started playing drums prior to seventh grade, but I didn't get a drum set until like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you when you're in school and they give you the option to like pick instruments, which yeah. is third or fourth grade. You know, my dad was a musician. There was a lot of him actively playing out when I was growing up. And when you get to pick the instruments, they didn't have a guitar. So, and I didn't want to play clarinet or flute. So I, I picked what I probably thought was the next best thing to guitar was the drums. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if necessarily anything inspired me to play, except the fact that drums were cool. Bands were cool. My dad, I thought was the coolest dude ever. And, um, but they didn't have guitar. So I picked drums. Did you start learning guitar around the same time or no, I started playing guitar when I was about, well, I think I maybe 12 or 13. So I've been playing guitar for a long time too. And um, that just came out of the fact that my dad had guitars all over the place. So I just yeah picked yeah, them up and started playing, I, you know. I never realized that you even played guitar until the first time I saw you on stage with a guitar. And it like, I mean, I guess you get, you get kind of railroaded into playing drums because there's such a shortage and every asshole in the world thinks he can play guitar. <laughs> and in hardcore, that's probably mostly true. But... You know, it's uh, I, I didn't even know that about you until pretty recently. Well, I can honestly tell you that um, from a drummer's viewpoint, not really having a solid full time band to play drums in. Um, I would think that it's way harder to find dudes to, to start a band with these days playing guitar. I mean, I, there's a lot of guys that play but I, I don't know maybe maybe i'm just picky these days and i and i want to play with dudes that i'm familiar with and um that aren't uh i guess i should say it's all the dudes that i would really want to play with outside of the guys that i'm currently playing with and some other things that i have in the works um a lot of these dudes are already in bands is how i should say you know sure you know and um and a lot of dudes that I was really comfortable playing with don't live here anymore either. You know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
I got I got something that I had been, you know, slightly getting together with some people playing drums again, which will be great for me because I, I really miss playing drums. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Later. <laughs> kind of fucked up that you had at one time four drummers in that band. Which band? band? The the one you're messing around with. I guess there are, right? Oh yeah. wait, wait, yep. Yeah. No, you know all about this band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep, yep, yep. Four drummers? Yeah. 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 Well, okay, drummer. yeah, okay, yeah. I guess I guess yeah, yep. It's if you wanna technically Yep, yeah, that would make sense. Uh that's funny. If it doesn't have a name, call it four drummers. No, no. We're working well, on that. <laughs> one of them moved about three thousand miles, so he doesn't count anymore. This is for fun, so yeah, yeah, yeah he did. He definitely, uh, he definitely hopped, skipped, and jumped over the pond uh, <laughs> on the first practice. <laughs> Which was I, hilarious. He was like, "Hey, dudes, I'm here. I quit." <laughs> I know? accidentally ratted him out to to, uh, to that to other stop. dude. He, he um. He was, right. he was. I completely forgot that you. Yeah, you know, you know everything I'm talking about right now. Well, he was. He was like, "Oh yeah, we got this thing going. It's it's like these dudes." And I was like, "Oh, is is Drew not moving to California anymore?" He's like, "You fucking better not be." <laughs> <laughs> hope that happened. Like an hour it, before it, practice, it's I fine. It's fine. It's uh no. It's um, he was. He was goofing around, but it was it was still funny. I accidentally ratted him out like an hour before practice. Yes, you did. <laughs> but I think it uh it'll 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 work out for the better. And um yeah, we have we have some other dudes that are in on it now and people that I have a lot of respect for and we it's gonna be fun. Awesome. I think kids once we get something down and are allowed to play shows again, you know, I mean, outside of being in some numbskull cover band playing at the local bar for a bunch of dipshits, um, you know, <laughs> we're not allowed to actually go and play real shows where kids can jump off stages and have a good time. Uh, this could be fun for Buffalo. I mean, you know, I don't think it'll be anything crazy serious, but nevertheless, it'll be a lot of fun for us and, and I think uh, dipshits are now offended. A little bit of injection back into Buffalo is what we're we're hoping for. Yeah. I think dipshits are now offended. You just offended dipshits. So, as a dipshit, I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah. Have you gone out and seen most of the cover bands in Buffalo? Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I I would just let's stay not home. get started. This 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 could be the entire interview. <laughs> we used to hear them like when Black X practiced on Wednesday nights. They they'd be playing across the uh, canal. Like every Wednesday night when we leave practice, there was some cover band playing over there. Well, that that's always been a huge part of Buffalo's music scene. Obviously, Buffalo has had a, a wonderful uh, original band music scene. It's not nearly as awesome as it used to be, and I think mm -hmm. that has just had to do with the changing landscape of music and the fact that there's barely anywhere to play in Buffalo anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but. Because uh, there's definitely a lot of good bands in Buffalo, but the the support for local music for original stuff is just it's just not. I don't know, yeah. man. Buffalo is just full of like old dudes and '97 rockers and college kids that play for a bunch of stupid bar people, and 
And I mean, it's, it's fine if they want to do that, but like the older I get, the more I hear people, like people say like, Oh, why don't you just like start a cover band? And you're like, yeah, well, do you have a gun? Because I'd rather do that. Like I'll never play in a cover band. Like I would literally jump off a bridge before I did that. No. And I'd rather play in front of five kids that are actually appreciating what you're doing or rather than 30 drunk college idiots at the local bar. No, thanks. No, Let's get back on track, dude. I'll get off track. <laughs> so what was the, so you're playing drums. What was the first band you joined or uh, started? Band I ever had playing drums was my high school band called Monastery. What kind of band were you guys? Um, I would say we were trying to replicate a cross between Metallica and Black Sabbath. We played, covers, but we played a lot of originals too. Were you successful? Um, we were <laughs> successful to our high school cronies. And <laughs> yeah. our, our little, our little uh, what do you call it? Cheering squad, which would have been our friends that were girls, but not our girlfriends. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that was, that was literally, that was like ninth and 10th grade. It was, it was your typical high school nonsense, but we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. And I kid you not, the, the two dudes in the band, Jerry and Ed, were definitely a spitting image of Beavis and Butthead. It was no, no <laughs> they literally, it was kind of hilarious. Yep. So, what was the first, like, I guess, not saying that, you're, that that band wasn't legit, what was the first legit band you joined? No joke. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, I walked into Home of the Hits and there was that big poster on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, the one for the seven inch. And uh, what was that called again? I don't even remember. Got me. Yeah. It was, the, you know, like the last thing that they did with uh, Dennis. Mm -hmm. And it was literally on the wall. And I think I was... 15 yeah so it sort of been 1993 mm -hmm. which yeah see that's what i was trying to say like going back you know to go into shows like yeah. so 93 i so i i want to say that it was 1991 so that's my time track um but there was this big poster on the wall and they had dennis's face crossed out and it was like the little pop-up bubble and it said this could be you and there was all these little tabs on the bottom for like, call this number. Yeah. Like you could take one. And I took the whole poster off the wall at home of this. I just <laughs> took the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then I called that number and Greg and uh, Rob and Justin came down to my dad's basement and I tried out. And that was that. How old were those guys? Were they like significantly older than you? I would say that they had to have been at least 19 or 20, you know? Yeah, you were 15. Yeah, I was 15. How did your dad, how'd your dad take that? <laughs> he was actually super pumped. He was, you know, like, he really liked it. You know? Yeah. He, really gnarly. he thought it was cool. So when was your first show with No Joke? First show with no joke. Yeah. 
You know, the thing of it was, is that that was really short lived. Like it, it didn't last very long. Like from the time I was in the band to the time, like it wasn't a band. I'm going to say it was maybe a year and a half. The first show we, and I think, I think the entire time I was in the band, we only, we only played maybe five or six shows, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the first show we played. I know we played that show at the marquee with the boss tones. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I want to, I want to, I think we, I feel like we played a show in Toronto. Um, we definitely played this show in Ohio in like a barn that had a stage built in it. That was, and that was uh strife played that show. Yeah. That was kind of cool. That was uh that was pretty awesome. And I already had, well, I had known of Strife from the uh, the Victory compilation, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Only the Strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and then we went up and did like that little record up at Metalworks in Toronto. And then they changed the name to Dead Time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, you know what it really was? It was that those dudes, were like they were definitely at that point in their life where college was on the horizon or like they were already in college and mm-hmm. um, and those dudes literally like went away to college like out of state you know they like ended up i feel like justin ended up being like a big AR rep out in hollywood and mm-hmm. rob and greg are like lawyers or something like that i think they live down in dc so they went mm-hmm. big time, you know. They, I, I think the 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 good popular years for no joke. What by the time I had gotten in there, were already behind them, you know. They were definitely that wave of like River Rock and you yeah. know the Hamburg Roller Rink shows, and so whatever they were trying to hold on to at that time, I just kind of came in at the last stretch of it. But it was cool for me. I liked it. I got to go to a, a couple real studios for the first time in my life, and mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was the bee's knees, man. Did Dennis leave them for Earth Crisis? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's what you have. I would have. I don't know. I guess. Sure. <laughs> At the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I already thought Earth Crisis was was awesome. You know. And... Yeah. Okay, so that band ends. So, is Despair the next band? Despair is the next real band, you know, I mean, I'm sure I, I had a lot of good friends that I farted around with and played at played with in like, in my, at my house, you know, I had my drum set up in my bedroom and, um, and uh, we did all that. And, uh, I actually tried to start a band. I don't remember the year. I feel like this may have been before. No, it was. It was, it was before No Joke. And mm-hmm. uh, the reason I... No, was it? What year did Slugfest break up? 93. Was it 93? I think so. Okay. So maybe this would have been... It wasn't 92, it was 93? I'm pretty sure it was 93, I think so. So I feel like in between that time... No, I'll tell you why it had to have been 93. Um, I tried to start a band with me, Galvin, Scott, and my buddy, Justin. Mm-hmm. Justin Prafke. 
and um he was an insanely good guitar player and I, I still talk to him and he just was never one of those dudes that could ever quite be in a band and uh but we tried to start this little band and uh and it just ended up not working out and um and then I and then I got into no joke and it had to have been 93 because uh it was it was after Slugfest, but it was before No Joke, but it was also I feel like it was the same year that Nirvana played Buffalo, which would have been ninety-three. Yeah, I think that was it was November ninety-three, because it was it was right around my birthday. And um and then obviously not April ninety-four, Cobain you know, apparently kill himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and I had, I had already known Jay. That's how I met Scott. I met Jay through Dara, his girlfriend at the time. And I went to high school with her and she was a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So I had already known Jay and knew, knew and loved Slugfest, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, so me, for me to, try to start a band with those two was like huge for me, but it just it didn't work out, you know? And then I got into no joke anyway. But yeah, despair would have been the next band. How'd you end up in despair? Well, uh, Phil, obviously whatever happened with that. Um, I had already had the demo. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I feel like, Scott got in touch with me. Maybe that's, that's the only thing I can really rationalize Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously Jay wasn't uh, in that band and, but I knew Garlop, you know, and, uh, but I don't, I didn't know Garlop at that point like that, you know, I like would have like known Scott and I didn't know Matt or uh, Brian really Mm -hmm. at all. And yeah, uh, I mean, I knew of Redline, but um, but I didn't know those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I would have say I would say it was was probably Scott, okay. but it may have been. I don't know. I really don't remember. You know, um, I would have to equate it to it being Scott in some way, shape, and form got a hold of me. It's not like we had email, so he would have had to have called my parents' house, something like that. You know. Yeah, I really don't remember. I just know that they ended up at my house and we jammed in my basement. They, they, they was practice at your at your parents' house. Um. Yeah. 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 Yes, it was. Is that why they let you in the band? Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe we practice space. Well, they used to practice on Keller Avenue, right? Yeah, well, I remember, I remember Keller Avenue. I practiced in the basement there. I think, I think that's where they started the band. But um, no, but we we moved it over to my to my parents' place. Okay. So, you remember what your first show at Despair was? Was no. it Chicago? Maybe about this. It may have been Chicago. We may have talked about that. Yeah, because Vic just. Vic Lazar just posted something on a group chat I was in with him. And uh, he he went to, with despair on that weekend in Chicago. 
Okay. And Scott goes, this is our new drummer, Jesse. Oh, okay. And I think so that might have been your first show or around one of your first shows with Spare. So. I mean, it, it could have been. I mean, he may have just been like saying this is our new drummer. I may have played yeah. some shows prior to that. I, I mean, I, I honestly, there's no fucking way I'm going to remember the first show I played with them. I just, it's not going to happen. Fine. <laughs> you know, and if, if it was Chicago, it probably would have been at the Fireside Bowl. That was at the Fireside Bowl, the show, the aforementioned show. But I don't, I don't remember the actual official first show. I really don't. Okay, fair enough, man. It's all good. So what was your first recording with them? We went, we recorded at Doug White's when Doug was still like at his mom's house in the basement. Yeah. Um. I don't even remember where those tracks ended up. Uh, those four tracks that are on the on the full length that those tracks, the the ones that are on Pattern Life. Yeah, there's four tracks. I remember I got a tape of from Scott like they before like Pattern Life came out. Was that? Are they anything that would have been on Pattern Life as far as that album? We would have done at Mark Studios. Okay, so because I remember Scott gave me maybe they were from the actual full length, but he gave me a tape of four songs like that you guys have recorded or something or. Uh, we, we did a, we did a couple, we did a few songs at Doug White's when Doug was still recording out of his, I think it was his mom's basement before he moved into the actual Watchmen studio. Yeah. In I remember seven layers of waste, one of the songs. And uh, what was the, uh, what was that song? The, uh, that yeah, that may have been one of the songs that we did. Yeah. There, yep. I'm trying to think um, what the songs on Pattern uh, Life were. Fiction? Is that was that a song? Fiction? Yeah. yeah, that was on the that was on the um that comp. Fiction. The Envy Snap Case against the Hulk comp. Yeah. That Larry did. Yeah, but that that may have been one of the songs that we recorded. I don't know. I have a tape, but at, at Doug's mom's house like that that, that recording is a little bit a little bit rougher yeah, yeah it's, like, it's, like, it's, not like, it's not even like like doug white quality for what he does now it's like it's like pretty yeah. pretty i don't want to say bad sounding but it's it's raw I, I think it's it sounds fucking cool but it's definitely a lot less polished than right. i feel like that was one of the songs that we did at the, in that recording yeah. yeah that's that's actually probably my favorite despair song ah I don't know what my favorite despair song would be. I like, uh, I really like Day of Atonement. That, that yeah. was, I always, I, I, like really, that I always like playing that song. Yeah. I know that was one that, that they, uh, with the demo songs with Phil, but, uh, and I actually think the demo version is, is way better. It's just, yeah. or maybe not the demo, the, the seven inch. And, yeah. Uh, just with that, that original recording they did, it was just it was so aggressive and so, just not trying to be polished at all. And I think that that really took away from pattern life was like the way it got produced and mixed. It just made yeah, it sounds a little weird. I think yeah, it's, it's just, it's nineties, man. It's whatever garbage crap they were kind of doing yeah. in the nineties. And not to say that there wasn't a lot of amazing recordings in the nineties. There's a bazillion you, of them, but if you try to polish up, really aggressive stuff and you don't get it just right you can really neuter it yeah and it, and it, it definitely that's a good way yeah it got neutered like crazy for sure yeah yep 
All right, so you're in the spare. You played on Pattern Life, right? Yes. So when do you leave the spare? Well, and why? We, we did the other, the EP. Which EP? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the initial one, right? Yeah, the As We Bleed one. Yeah. Um, which actually sounded a lot better, and I think the songs were definitely getting a lot better at that point and uh you know myself as a drummer i think i grew a lot on that ep you know um but um i didn't i I mean this this subject is is insanely open to debate here and i'm sure you've heard the story a thousand times but i i have been told numerous times that i quit despair yeah (laughs) that is just simply not what happened I was relieved of my duties by Matt and Brian. Really? What At happened? Country Kitchen Restaurant on Niagara Falls Boulevard. <laughs> they basically sat me down and yeah. tried to explain it to me. And this is what my convoluted, weird, screwed up mind tells me that is what happened. But mm-hmm. they tried to tell me that it was, that it, it was, what'd they say? That it wasn't a personal thing; it was more of like a like a business thing. Oh yeah. And that for some reason I wasn't committing myself enough to the band because of my girlfriend. Really. And and I got kicked out of the band, and I think I remember laughing, saying something like "business," like this isn't a business. Like we don't make any money. Like we're talking about. Business? Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, I don't earn a living out of this band. I'm a teenager playing fucking hardcore shows. And yes, I have a girlfriend, but I have never missed a show ever. Never, ever missed a show. Not yeah. once. Ever. Now, granted, I will admit there was a lot of things with myself personally at the time that were, you know, like, I shouldn't say that she was not affecting things. Um, I was late to a lot of band practices and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, I guess, really poor at communicating at the time if I was going to be late or I had something else to do or I couldn't practice. So I'm sure there were some practices where I either was super late to, which was hilarious because they were at my house. And, um, or I may have not shown up and then dudes may have like left my house because I never showed up. So yeah, yeah. those things were okay. <laughs> um, but as far as on the back end of things and like playing shows, I mean, I never missed a single show, you know, but no, I definitely did not consciously quit that band. I 99.999999% sure that Brian and Matt kicked me out. Yep. Well, the record is set straight now. Well, that's, that's my version of it. <laughs> 25 years later, the record's set straight. Years to life later, yep. <laughs> okay. So um okay, so you're you you're kicked you're kicked out of despair. I'm kicked uh, out slash quit despair. Okay. You know what? You should check Britannica, see if it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Plot my book, Despair. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, so can you leave Despair? 
whichever way that happened. Mm-hmm. What what's next? Um, well, what's next is they got Jimmy Penn Q in the band, mm-hmm. who I had a lot of respect for, you know, yeah. um zero tolerance. And um, I mean, obviously after Darren, but um, I always thought that Jimmy was a phenomenal drummer. And uh, they do the Kill EP, which did have two songs that I was on on it. Um, they went on that full tour, that whole national tour, I think, with Hapri. Yeah. And I think they went to, excuse me, Europe one more time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then that just fell apart and they broke up and... Oh, so, but you, if you remember, Matt Roberts was yeah. in there for a hot minute. So, and so was Hydro. Yeah, right. But that was at, that was with PenQ. Okay. That, that was like that last tour. Because mm-hmm. Garlip was gone. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that last tour was with Hydro and. Yeah. Um, before wait, before we finish despair, you went to Europe with despair, correct? Yeah, just the one time. How was how was Europe? How was that experience? Um, I mean, for a seventeen year old kid, it was it was it was awesome. You know, I yeah. certainly wanted to go back. You yeah. know, and um, and then they did go back the one time, and uh, mm-hmm. which kind of bummed me out. You know. Yeah. And um, was it like? That that's the thing though. That that's why I, I like there's no way that I quit. Because I knew that the band was gonna have <laughs> other good things coming up in the future. Yeah. You know? So why would I quit a band that was already like on the horizon, was doing good, people liked, had a lot of respect for, yeah. uh, we were playing a ton of good shows. I knew we were gonna go to Europe again, all this stuff like Mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't have quit that at that time, you know, and um, and, it's, and, and like I wasn't like not getting along with anybody in the band. Everything was fine, you know, mm-hmm. they just uh, they didn't like my girlfriend and, they, and, <laughs> Matt, and, and Matt and Brian kicked me out anyways. Um, so and, and, and if I had quit, why would it bum me out that they were going to Europe? I would be like, well, fuck them. I quit. I don't care. You know, yeah, maybe. I hear you. So uh, anyways. So that happened, whatever happened, I don't know, infighting, mm-hmm. shit fell apart. Um, Scott can tell you that end of the story. I'm sure you've already heard it from him. Um, and, but, but Roberts had been in the band for a hot minute, and then he got kicked out of the band, um, yeah. not by me. And um, so there was like that time frame, because I want to say the spirit broke up in 96 or 97. I think it was nine. I think it was like fall of '97. Right, '97, right. Well, um, the apocalypse show was summer of '97, so yeah, it was yeah, after right. that. Yeah, it was '97, right? Because I was still in the band '96. Yeah, duh. Um, That's funny too, because today, like, I found the spare broke up at the mall. Like Scott was with that dude Mark from that dude Mark, the other Mark that you know that dude who he moved to he moved he lived with him in Arizona. That guy. Okay. Remember that guy? And like I ran him at the mall, he said, "Yeah, we're we're done." And like that's not how you find out find out about anything these days, you know. You find which, out about which mall? Galleria food court. 
I remember yeah. food court. I remember exactly when he told me that they that the stair was done. Kids don't know what they're missing these days. The malls were, were where it's at, man. Yeah, that's where the all the magic happened. <laughs> I loved I loved the mall growing up. It was the best thing ever. I mean, obviously a million other cool things, but going to the mall was a good time. Now kids just they just do like I don't know. They do they do like a virtual mall and then do a Zoom meeting and pretend they're at the mall. Is that what they do? <laughs> Like, let's go to the mall. Which one? Mall of America. And then they pop it up on their screen. And then like the Sims game, they're like, they pretend they're at the mall. I don't know. They yell yeah. at each other on headsets while they play Fortnite. And with their other hand, they're uh, buying shit on Amazon. They are. Don't lie. You play Fortnite. No fucking food court. What's that? You play Fortnite. Uh, I, I've tried it like two or three times. I'm fucking terrible at first person shooters. Like laughably bad. And I can really only get called like racist and homophobic slurs by 12 year olds for so long before (laughs) I happened on those games. Oh God. Yeah. I don't play them. That's really fucked up. I play Galaga, man. That's my game. Any first person shooter. If you, if you play like call of duty or halo or anything like that, people like little kids just say horrendous shit bad like where where is that coming from like who the where the fuck are your parents what kind of parents do you have you know I, well their parents are probably absentee dickheads but also you know it's you yeah get, while they're sitting there next to them on tiktok yeah they're absentee parents <laughs> also we're talking about like you know 12 year old kids that are probably going for just maximum shock value yeah. i mean my son is 12 he played he did play fortnite and i he doesn't he played halo for a little bit um but I, I mean, I, I, most of the time I'm, I'm within his presence or close enough to hear them if he's on the headset and mm-hmm. he is absolutely not spewing any of that vile nonsense out of his Sure. Ear. I, I think it's just a, you know, a vocal minority. Yeah. But, um, no, nah, man, I, I, I like Galaga. So where, where were we? Uh... Oh, I was going to say, speaking of malls, were you a fan of the Summit Park Mall? Me? Yeah. Uh, no, I was more of a Boulevard Galleria guy. Eastern Hills was like that was far away. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the Boulevard Mall was so close to where I grew up. I mean, we just biked or skated there and yeah, hung out at the food court and went to Aladdin's Castle and yeah. you know, I miss arcades. Why do you bring up some park? I don't know because it's so crappy. Or is it, is it even open still? There's like two. I think it's a business park now. There's yeah. a couple things open, maybe. But yeah, I mean, the Summit Park Mall was crappy back then. Yeah. I used to love the Summit Park Mall just because it had that, like, cutout thing in the middle where, like, the, the recessed benches and stuff. I, also I had, thought there was, was a flea market cool. there forever, wasn't there? Was there? Wasn't there a flea market at the Summit Park Mall? I mean, not when it was, like, a fully functional mall. No, but, but then they, they did set up a flea market there for a while. Then they did those stupid Shred and Reagan cruise nights there for years. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did those there for a while, and um, which I definitely went to a couple times, you know. But I'm a, I was a car guy, you know, so I like to go and see the cars, you know. Um, I think the only thing there now is that the old Toys R Us is now a grocery store. Oh, really? I think that's the only Remember store. Child there. World. What's that? Remember that that Child World KB Toys? Yeah. I, I uh, I used to I used to shoplift stuff from that mall like fucking crazy. <laughs> Summit Park. Like, yeah. 
No, I never shop delivered from there, but we used to shoplift from uh, J.C. Penney's all the time. And what was the other? Uh, it's not Macy Kaufman's, maybe or Sibley's, whatever it was back then. This is more than seven years ago, right? Yeah, this is okay. like when we Sex were limitations. This is really like twelve and thirteen. <laughs> My buddy Steve Brown and I, we were remember those pants, the skids pants that you could tie at the bottom. Yeah, but they were real baggy. Yeah, so we used to go to the mall and shove stuff down those pants, and then like, it was terrible. We're we're bad we're bad kids, but um, <laughs> uh, that shit at AM and A's. Oh, AM and A's. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. So you found out at the mall from Scott. Yes. Know? Yeah. By right. who? And he was with and he was with Mark. Yeah. But so yeah, fast forward to that. So um, basically, I just wasn't really doing anything and i don't think scott was doing anything i don't think scott really wanted to be in a band Mm -hmm. um matt and joe were doing whatever it was that they were doing and i i feel like i just i remember having a phone conversation with matt roberts like late at night when i was still living at my parents obviously Mm -hmm. and just we just talked about starting a band and, and me and him and Joe got together and just started jamming and writing stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think I just, I knew from playing with Matt when he was in despair that he was and Joe and hourglass and stuff that they, those dudes could play their asses off. You know, you know, they were definitely a cut above a lot of the other bands, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just started jamming and and it was pretty like I think we had a pretty good idea of what we want to do. And and then we we approached Scott about it and Scott was kind of apprehensive and he was doing that thing. He was trying to start with Sprig. And uh and 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 I and I and it's funny too because I think Scott will say that like he may have been apprehensive because he thought I quit despair. So he didn't like want to be in a band with me maybe. Yeah. And, um, but uh, one way or another, we convinced him to come down and check out what we were doing. And I think he thought it was pretty good. And, and, um, and the deal was, is that if he was going to join the band that Sprig had to come to. Okay. And um, so we just, worked that out and agreed that that was okay. And, and then, and then we started jamming in my dad's basement, but that band was so fucking loud. Yeah. My dad finally threw us out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> like they, I remember when they both went and got their dual rectifiers from airport music, it just got so insanely loud. And my dad just like the neighbors were complaining, and so then we went to the music mall and and got real. You know, had to had to pay somewhere to. I don't know. It's really funny too. I don't know why we didn't go to Discovery. Maybe Discovery. I don't remember when Earl started the spaces down there, but there may have been nothing down there. But the music mall was where it was at back then. You know, that, that's yeah. where a lot of people were practicing. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Buried Alive. What do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
the first thing you guys put out about that demo, how did you end up on Victory? Actually, quick quick demo question. I'm I'm curious when you did you did four songs in that session, but the you know like yeah the, yeah the two song tape right. Also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's your opinion that the perfect demo length is three songs. My yeah, you opinion? recorded four and released two. Why is it my opinion that the perfect demo is three songs? Did that come I was, up? I was told that by somebody that you were playing with. Oh. Um, you got to do three songs for the demo. It's got to be three. <laughs> I mean, three maybe a seven inch. I don't know. Well, we had, but we had recorded four and one of them just kind of ended up never really being a song. I think we played it out like maybe one, the very first couple shows. And then I think the other song on the demo was, was an alternate version of Rot Away. Like that had this like weird breakdown that ended up not being on the uh, full length. Like we changed it, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Paul, you pulling out the data there. Um, <laughs> But I don't know. I have no idea why we ended up doing two songs and just releasing it as two. Maybe we just didn't feel like the other two were up to snuff to, to put out. But I think that the two songs that were on the demo hit hard enough at the time to make an impression to make people want more, I guess. You know? I fucking wore out my first copy of that tape. And um, Well, I'm glad you have one. I don't have one. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I actually have a spare. I'll, I'll hit you with one if you need it. You have a despair? <laughs> this it. fucking guy. Bad joke. Yes. I, I definitely, I don't think, uh, I don't, I know we, we, we did the seven inch a couple years ago, the re-release of that with all of this stuff on it. Um, yeah, yeah, that thing. Um, but what's on there? What's the track listing? So you have, um, Kill Their Past and Worthless, which is the tape that I had. Right. And then Watching You Die and How Much More. Oh, okay. All right. So Watching You Die was the other one, not Rot Away. Um, uh, but yeah, how, how Much More, right. And um, which ended up being that song, you know, the intro on the the, the seven inch, the one that we put out, uh, the new BA seven inch. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Death Will Find You. Um, the Death Will Find You intro, because it was really an intro, and then Scott put lyrics to it and just be kind of came that short little thing there. Yeah. That is born out of how much more. That's what that song really is. We just took parts of how much more and made it into that. Um, so what were you asking me, Mark? Because uh, you asked me a question, and Alex – Ask me a side question. I asked you. I ended up on victory. Oh, yeah. yeah. Victory. Well, because I do believe the story goes that Despair had been talking to Brummel about doing something. And, um, and then they broke up. So that when we started BA and played, I think we played like four shows. Uh, the Crazy Fest show, the first Crazy Fest in Louisville was like a really good show for us. And um, that definitely sparked interest from a number of labels. But I mm. think that Scott had already had a working relationship with Tony. And 
I think he contacted him and said, Hey, you know, I know despair broke up, but I got this new band and you should check that out. And, um, and we had, I think we were talking to revelation, equal vision, victory. And I want to say, uh, it's the other label that, uh, Kite tree was on equal vision. You said equal vision. I said equal vision. Yeah. <laughs> So Revelation equal, anyways, those labels. And then yeah. for whatever reason, we had, we picked victory, you know? And, yeah. And uh, hindsight, whether or not that was the best thing, I have no idea, you know, but um, just seemed like there was a lot of other bands that we had a lot of respect for that had obviously gone through the ranks of that label and bands that were currently on that label. And um, so that's what we went with. But I definitely think that Scott having that relationship with Tony and having almost done something with despair probably is uh, part of the reason why that's how we got our victory. Yeah. Okay. So did you, how much touring did you do with Buried Alive? Um, I mean, I did every tour up until... I left the band. So you definitely left the band in that, that case. That band I left. <laughs> you want to say why? Um, I sure. I mean, I, I don't think it's, you know, it's not a, uh, I think that it, the, the, the reason that I had at the time was probably a cop out or maybe a bunch of nonsense, but um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I really liked the music yeah, and I really liked the, where the band was going, I think we were starting to really get pretty popular. And, um, but the two dudes that I ended up, the two dudes that I started the band with were absolutely just deliriously making me a miserable human being, um, playing shows with them. Like they were just not fun to be in a band with at all. It was, it, it was, it was just misery constantly. I was never happy. You know, I could not stand to be on stage. I couldn't stand being in a van with them. And um, so I quit, I think, like I said, for whatever alternative reason I gave. And maybe it was just being too afraid to speak the truth. And maybe I should have spoken up and and maybe things could have changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and maybe Scott would have said something to those two and said, hey, you know, like, you know, I think – what I should have done was I should have went to Scott in the first place and said, Hey dude, like, I'm really like, I'm miserable. Like I'm not happy right now. Like we got to do something to change this. And maybe he would have talked to Matt and Joe and yeah. could have worked out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that all of the things that I quit for ended up rearing their ugly head, whatever it was a year later when they broke up anyway, you know, yeah. Sprig left the band and mm-hmm. obviously Matt and Joe and Scott all ended up having a huge falling out, which lasted a long, 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 long time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and um, so I think it was inevitable anyway, whether or not I had stayed in the band, if that would have made any difference with the band breaking up. Obviously. Yeah. But um, as far as how much touring, I mean, I mean, we did, we did, I don't know. We didn't tour like crazy. You know, we would go out for like two weeks, three weeks, 
a week, 10 days, played tons of weekends. The band wasn't really like crazy full steam yet, you know? Yeah. They did some full U.S. tours, and but that was all with Kevin, man. I, I was I was gone at that point. And, um, so and that I, being said, though, um, do you think your current self would have kept that band together or stayed in that band? Like you would have figured it out? If I had stayed in the band, what I would I think like would your current self, let's say you're you, you 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 take a time machine back to that time and you replace yourself. Are you are you solving the problems that were stopped that were that I were think, uh, yeah if I if I could get in the DeLorean and go back in time, yeah. um I would definitely probably you know what's uh what's the uh I would I would I would give myself a heart like the cowardly lion. And I would, uh, I would definitely probably tell myself to have a little bit more nuts and, and courage to speak up and, um, yeah. and find my place and work it out. But I was, I was so beaten down being in that band. I had literally no confront level on like actually getting my point across without feeling like I was just going to be you know, demoralized was shot down because of anything I had to say. So um, I just, my mind was not, not there at the time, but yeah, if I could go back in time and change it, I absolutely no fucking way would I have quit that band. I missed out on a lot of cool shit that that band did. And um, whether or not they were having a good time, you know, you can let other people tell you those stories, you know Um, I'm sure there was a lot of good times, but I know there was a lot of rough times too. And um, so it's one thing to be out on a tour with a band and be playing a lot of good shows, but if the, the, the existence with the other mates in the band is terrible, then I don't care if you're playing Madison Square Garden, man. It, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not fun. You can't put your heart into something that you, you, know, you, 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 know, you want to stab the person next to you on stage. No way. Yeah. You know, and it's not like it wasn't like, it wasn't like some like, Oh man, well, like I'm earning a living playing in this band, so I have to like keep it going because a lot yeah. of bands stay together for that reason, you know. And um, I can't do that, man. I gotta be, I gotta be content and happy with the dudes I'm playing with. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, is your next band after Buried Alive, Kid Gorgeous? Yes, for sure. How'd you end up in Kid Gorgeous? Um. Let's see. Once again, some phone call was put into me some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who got a hold of me. It was probably McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Besker wasn't in the band anymore. Uh, Donnie, I mean, Bokes was already in the band. And yeah. I, I, th- I think it was McCarthy that got a hold of me because I don't yeah. really know Eric yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just asked me to jam with them and they were jamming down at the, that old building up on uh, main street, right by Pearl. It's like luxury apartments now. Yeah. Uh, it's like Pearl and main, right where it like kind of curves around, but that mm-hmm. used to be jam spaces, really cruddy, sketchy band spaces. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah. And it, I mean, honestly, I, I won't lie, you know, like I, I really wasn't a fan of theirs, you know, like I remember that original demo they had and um, I, I definitely 
I wasn't super into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I mean, that could have just been, you know, the, the nature of the recording at the time. But, yeah. um, but I wanted to play. I wanted to play drums. And so I went and jammed with them. And I, I definitely, uh, with Bokes being in the band, and um, I think they had already maybe done the Red Star comp, you know. I had listened to some of that stuff. And uh, I definitely saw the potential for me to put my drumming style to that and make it a little bit more aggressive and hard hitting and not so metal with all the double bass and everything, you know? Yeah. And um, plus, you know, I, uh, I really liked all the dudes in the band, you know? And um, so that, that I had a lot of fun hanging out with those guys and that had a lot to do with me wanting to be in that band. So that was a complete opposite. Sorry. Go on out. Sorry. It's better than wanting to stab them. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I wanted to stab them all two at one time or another. <laughs> it, was, it was the opposite of buried alive, though, right? Like this was like well, yeah, a lot more alive, fun. Buried alive didn't start like that. Yeah, sure. Just being in a van and being on the road is what ended up. You know, people will will always show their true colors when they're on the road and you're cooped up in a van. It just comes out, you know. Yeah. And um. And uh, I mean, I think there was times when I honestly, I, I, I didn't get along with Sprig either. You know, I think Sprig and I got in a couple fights and, you know, but that really just wasn't like that with Kid G, man. Those dudes, you know, all those guys, man, they just wanted to have fun and just be that whole side of things that I wasn't normally used to, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so we just, we had a good time, man. And uh and that was that was a big plus point for me. What did you play on for Kid Gorgeous Stars records? Uh, the the last um, Friday Night Night Fight full length, and mm-hmm. then the This Feeling Gets Old full length. Um, we did a couple covers here and there, and um, and then we did the uh, Blue Romance EP a few you know later down the road after we had broken up but we had resumed it for a little bit and did that ep which was cool because i really liked the lineup on that too that band went through a ton of lineup changes too i mean we were you know changing bass players and guitar players and all sorts of stuff you know who was in the band when you joined it was me mccarthy michike bokes and justin cuviello (laughs) jacob Who was the lineup on that on that re- that uh thing that you recorded after you broke up? The Blue Romance. Yeah, that was me, Mitchakay, obviously Bokes, mm-hmm. um, Beerwolf, and uh, and Gene Zibowitz from Asher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was always Nashra. Was he ever in Kid Gorgeous other than the recording? No, just for that. But remember, we also had Ghost of War. I was in yeah. Ghost of War with him. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, how much touring did um, the Kid Gorge do? You said you guys played Furnace Fest? Yeah, we played Furnace Fest uh, two two years in a row. Uh, Kid G to- toured a lot, man. I did more touring in that band than I ever did with Buried Alive and Despair. Well, I shouldn't say Despair. Despair played a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. But, um, but Despair mostly did. We did a lot of like East Coast and Midwest stuff and you know, they hadn't made the trek out to the West Coast yet. That was their first West Coast tour was with uh, 
thank you. That yeah. and I think that was like their only West Coast tour. I think they broke up after that tour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kid G. I mean that 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 band toured. You know, I mean I joined the band in what two. 2001 and then we broke up in 2003 but that band did multiple full u.s tours and you know did you know a bunch of east coast tours and you know midwest and drove down to texas and played festivals and yeah we 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 played a lot we were really trying to kind of make our mark and and get out there i thought i thought the band had enough potential to to justify it you know Mm -hmm. so why did kid gorgeous break up we're in the break well, now. That's uh I wanna say that the band well, okay, so I think the band had a lot of momentum. I think a lot of good things were happening. The shows we were playing, even the ones on the West Coast were like good. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, like five hundred people, but um yeah. a band that had barely ever played out on the West Coast to have, you know, a respectable amount of people there and people being into you and moving around and buying your stuff was like a big deal. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so we did that and, um, and then Steve left the band mm-hmm. arguably for good reason. Um, and then it just kind of got a little funky after that, trying to like really nail down like, uh, another guitar player that I felt was up to the level of Steve's uh, playing and his stage presence. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've played with a lot of guys and Steve Michike is bar none as far as like stage presence goes. Yeah. I, I don't know of anybody better than I've ever had the experience of playing with. I mean, he's a total maniac. Did he leave the band to join that other band? Yes, he left the band to join <laughs> Beatin. Okay. Because Beerwolf left. Did didn't Beerwolf quit? He, I don't know that story. I saw he's like he wasn't in the band. That's anymore. that's my understanding is that he quit, but right. No. Um well yeah, Steve left to join that band. And um but I can honestly tell you at that time the bands were like kind of like full steam ahead, you know. Yeah. Um, but Steve leaving the band definitely blew the wind out of my sails, you know, because mm-hmm. um, he was like my wingman on stage. You know, we just had a lot of fun on stage. And and then yeah. we had a bunch of other dudes that came in and not that they were bad players or anything, but just the vibe wasn't there for me as much as it used to be. And um, and I love playing with McCarthy and um, and Besh was in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely had. uh we had another, we had a guy named Dan play bass for a little bit. And then we had Roger from the Judas Cradle from Alabama. He mm-hmm. played and filled in and Leahy was in the band for a minute. But when Leahy was in the band, that's when Mitch was still in the band. You know, yeah. um, that lineup was amazing. Me, McCarthy, Leahy and Mitch, folks, the band was just awesome. Yeah. Really, really good. And um But Mitch quit, and um, I don't want to say it pissed me off. I mean, I knew in the back of my mind that he was doing, you know, what was right for him, you know. Um, but it bummed me out. And uh, 
And then, you know, the last U.S. tour we did, um, that's when Angelo, okay, yeah, that's when Angelo was in the band, John Angelo. Mm-hmm. And um, we did that U.S. tour with Angelo, and uh, it wasn't bad. It was definitely a lot of really good shows. Um but I think we were getting we we had been out a lot that summer, yeah. and um, Angelo was really young at the time, and um, McCarthy definitely did not like him, and mm-hmm. uh, and he was really just kind of a crazy ball of energy, and but sometimes to an annoying degree, you know, and yeah. uh, and I think he was just more excited of like being in a band that was like he was able to go on tour with and stuff but him and john did not get along real well and Mm. and there was one tour where eric like i don't want to say made the grave mistake of bringing his girlfriend with us but he did and Mm -hmm. um and that's just not a good idea to bring your girlfriend on tour not that we were like up to shenanigans or anything like that but like you know, it's just when you bring your girlfriend on the road, it definitely secludes you as a band member because yeah. your girlfriend's going to be like, no, you just need to hang out with me. Blah, 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 blah. And, and that happened a lot. Yeah. And uh, there was definitely a lot of, of like, I don't want to say fighting, but definitely a lot of like shit talking in the sense of like, oh, like, you know, like, Oh, look at the Eric and Gabe section over there by themselves. And so that wasn't good. And then the last, that last tour with Angelo, uh, Angelo blew up the van in Wisconsin, like just destroyed my van, completely blew it up. And, uh, and the West coast shows, like some of them were really good, but then like, we were super late for a show in Portland and like the show was over by the time we got there. And, and, um, and you know, it just, there was a lot of tension in the band and I think a lot of it had to do with Angelo and McCarthy and they were definitely fighting a lot. And, um, and uh, McCarthy was, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with him at the time, but he was being a little bit of an unbearable band member. And, uh, Plus, you know, I would be a liar to say that um, that my drinking at that time was like way, way out of control and uh, not in a fun way anymore, like in like yeah. a counterproductive way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I definitely was like just hung over a lot. And I was it's not like I was playing bad. I was playing fine, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I almost drove off the road once and killed us in Texas. And um, that was because I fell asleep. And um, I definitely used to drive, you know, probably shit-faced more times than I care to admit. And mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't like I was drinking socially for fun. I was drinking because I was, like, completely dependent on, like, being drunk as much as I could be throughout the day, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh but yeah, Angelo blew the van up and uh, we got stranded in Wisconsin for five days and and it was just kind of like, we had a whole other two-week tour after that too with uh, 
a whole full Canadian tour with uh, Figure Four. Because we had played on that tour, we played a lot of shows with Undying and Figure Four. And um, and it just, we canceled it all and uh, got back. And that was my van. And so I didn't have a car anymore. And Angelo was just a, a total shit about it. Just did not care. He's like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to school. And, you know, and so I came home from that tour. And I was left without a vehicle, which I had traded in my truck to get that van. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just, it just, it was just time, you know, like we yeah. were, like we I think we were a little frustrated that like we weren't getting any good offers from like respectable record labels, you know. We were on uprising. Mm-hmm. Um that dude was like it's it's one thing when a band is like, Oh, we're on a label, why aren't you doing anything for us? But we're not doing any, anything on our end as a band. But we were touring and playing shows like crazy all over the place, you know. Like we weren't like going to play a weekend here and there. We're out for like six weeks, three weeks, two weeks. We're going out like crazy. Yeah. Um, we just couldn't get a break from a label that wanted to like put any steam behind us. And, um, and I think that that was just getting frustrating. And um, so whatever, we just, we came home and called it and uh, dudes went back to school and Eric moved to New York city. And, um, and then we played that final show at, at the continental and, and that was that. That was that. That's Kid Gorgeous in a nutshell. That, that was, was that. Awesome, What's that? So that was that. <laughs> Dude, there was a, we. I mean, you know, we had a lot of fun. That band played a ton of good shows, you know, and uh, more good shows than bad shows for sure. Yeah. Cool. So after that, is that is heavy hearted? After that, no. Uh, Ghost of War is after that. Oh yeah, Ghost of War. Yeah. So I decided to play in a non-hardcore band. How would you describe that band? Uh, I think we were trying to do that, like, kind of southern doom metal thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, was, you know, Bessaker's shot at being another band, and Mm -hmm. um, Gene and Josh from Asherah, and uh, Joey was in the band for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, murderous Dave definitely tried out after Joey was kicked out of the band. And, uh, and then we got uh, my buddy, Jim Murphy to play bass, uh, who was a super good bass player. And um, he kind of came from like that other side of Buffalo scene, you know, like the scene that Jay had kind of gotten involved with for a long time, like the yellow number five scene that kind of oh, that, that other, the <laughs> other scene, you know, the other hardcore scene. Uh, <laughs> the other hardcore scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't want. I'll, let's not call it a hardcore scene. Um, <laughs> not going that far. However, I think that uh, I think a lot of dudes that were around early maybe mm. gravitated towards that scene because it it didn't have a lot of the bullshit that ran rampant in the hardcore scene in Buffalo. Yeah. You know, clicks and egos and attitudes and. Mm-hmm. You know, trendy six-month facers and stuff like that. And uh, I think that it was a lot easier to be creative outside the square box of hardcore in that other scene without being judged about it, mm-hmm. you know? And um, 
but anyways, that's what the gym had really been a part of that scene, you know? And, um, so yeah, but Ghost of War was definitely like kind of like a Southern Dune thing, but, uh, but I, I loved that band, you know, I, I liked the music we were doing and, uh, I had a blast playing with the dudes. How long was that band around? A uh, couple of years, you know, you know. I remember seeing that, I saw that band that, uh, was it not Broadway Joe's? The place next to Broadway Joe's. Remember that restaurant or Cloud Nine? Was it? It was Cloud Nine for a while, but I think that was like two thousand. It had probably like five different names that I can that I remember. You saw a Ghost of War there. Yeah. Really? I think, or was it Kid Gorgeous? I don't know. With I think I think either Figure Four or the band that became Figure Four played there too. No, that would have been Kid G. That wouldn't have been. Yeah. That would that I was are you sure that wasn't Broadway Joe's? No, I definitely saw that band play at the place or maybe I don't know, the place next to Broadway Joe's. Yeah, that that's like that place was a million places. That's that's the old Mickey Rats. I remember. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Broadway Joe's, man, whatever, whatever, you know, that that place is just dead in the water. Uh, Brian, who owned it, I don't, I don't know, did a bunch of violations in there. He was trying to turn it into a coffee bar or something. It was I, a fucking I terrible. It was a terrible venue to actually like see a band play though, because it had that post. It like, did three, like three feet off the stage, almost center stage. Right. However, it had all the dirty, grimy essence of a good shithole to play. They had that back patio to hang out in. You know, the bathrooms were gross. The stage was just big enough. You could pack 150 kids in there and lose their mind. You know, I, I, I always like playing that place, you know. If that place were exactly what it was, but it just didn't have that pillar right in front of the stage, I think it, it would have been great. Right. Well, but, Mark, didn't the River Rock have a whole bunch of pillars in the way, too? I never I never went to the River Rock. Oh, yeah, that's right. You weren't, you weren't here yet, right? Correct. I feel like I watch videos of that. I feel like the River Rock had a whole bunch of crap in the way, too. Uh, I see. Yeah, the videos I see. up the ceiling. <laughs> it seemed like that in the videos I've seen from the River Rock. Yeah, it seems like there's a bunch of stuff around, like yeah, poles around the stage and stuff. But um, nah, yeah, all dude, all all the good clubs are gone in Buffalo. Thank God, Mohawk Place is like still around, <laughs> still uh, kicking about. I mean, there's there's really nowhere to play anymore. Sugar City's gone too. You can't play anywhere anyway, so who cares, I, right? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> shows come back. I mean, you know, Ringer's got his place down there on uh, Chippewa, but... Yeah. Derek Dole texted uh, Mark and me not too long ago and showed us that the metal pit's still there, so... Oh, yeah, it's still there, just uh, not not functioning. <laughs> let's bring let's it back. Scrapyard, man. Come on, let's do it. Let's throw some money at that. <laughs> yeah well i uh i actually have a i have a really good idea for a, a a club mixed with a skate park and yeah i think i've talked to you about this before yeah you know i really really would like to make it happen i was actually talking to joe valella about it see if we him and i could work out a business plan and try to get some investors yeah but it's just a weird time to be trying to think about opening a place like that to the public until things get back to like, I don't want to say normal because normal will probably never happen again. Um, But at least uh, tolerable to the point where like you can some sort of 
some way, shape and form have a quality of life that doesn't have to be hindered by constant restrictions. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Ghost of War, that just kind of just, uh, I don't know, that just kind of ended, I guess. We yeah. kind of kicked Ryan out of the band for, for <laughs> probably no reason. You know, we wanted to get like a, wanted to get like a singer that could like actually sing, you know, like yeah. a guy that could like actually sing, you know, which is usually the point where a band starts to overanalyze themselves and then things fall apart, you know, yeah. you just let well enough be well enough. Um, yeah. And we never found anybody. Um, that's one thing I, I will tell you is that Buffalo has always had tons of great guitar players and enough good drummers, but a complete lack of actual respectable singers. Yeah. Lots of dudes that can scream into a mic and do heavy stuff, but real guys that can really sing like a uh, people are think singers are supposed to sing. I don't think there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. Believe me, I've seen the cover bands. Those guys can barely sing too. <laughs> it's always the weak point in the band, the singer. So is Ghost of War next? Well, not Ghost of War, Heavy Hearted next? Yeah, Heavy Hearted is next. How do you end up in a band from Rochester? Um, Cannon Dagua, actually. Okay. Um, Even weirder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, de- I mean, Brent is from Canandaigua, as was, uh, but Kevin was from like Henrietta. They were kind of all over the place. Kevin was from Henrietta. Pogue was from like Leroy. Uh, Brent was from Canandaigua, and Devin was from Syracuse because he's Scott Krause's brother, mm-hmm. you know, uh, half brother. Uh, yeah. How did I end up in that band? I got an email. From somebody. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who. Um, I really don't. It may, I think I got an email from Kevin Mahoney, who had gotten my email from somebody who I knew from Rochester. And uh, mm-hmm. and he just said, hey, I'm, I'm in this band. and Because he was in that Roses of Red band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know him. Um, I definitely didn't listen to that band. Uh, and I just got an, I'm pretty sure I got an email from him and he sent me the demo and stuff. And um, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, um, it was a little bit more melodic than I was used to playing. Yeah. Um, like I said, once, you know, it's like when you're not playing and the dudes you want to play with or, you know, like at that point, this was like 2008. So, yeah. you know, Obviously, Scott, Terror, gone, California. Yeah. Who's that? But, you know, Bokes, gone, New York City. McCarthy, gone, living in China. Uh, Besh, not really wanting to play in a band. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt and Joe, at the time, wanting to play, you know, Space Odyssey, rock and roll, or whatever the, no, no. <laughs> they were doing whatever. They were doing Mother Red or Yeah, whatever. Mother Red. You know. Um, yeah. um, I know they had a couple of uh, frame up, maybe it was at the time. Um, I remember so they, that. that, and I had jammed with those guys a couple times throughout mm-hmm. the years, but, uh, I, so I definitely had tried to start a band, another band with Matt and Joe a few times. Um, but Matt wanted to play just 
different stuff. I wanted to play more like rock stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I play with Matt and Joe, you know, I enjoy playing with them. Yeah. Like infinitely enjoy playing music with those guys. Um, but I think uh, it just wasn't the right time yet for us to start creating music again at the time. Um, so I wanted to play. So I took a chance on that band and, um, and uh, I had to drive 90 plus miles to go to practice in Canandaigua. Like every week? Twice a week. Jesus. Yeah. And um, win- winter and everything. And this we- is like before you had 8,000 podcasts to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I definitely, uh, I definitely was listening to lots of CDs. Yeah. <laughs> which I still listen to. I have lots of CDs. Fair enough. Um, but it was cool. They were younger, and I thought that was cool. And uh, you know, it was like I had to kind of give myself a chance to like think outside of the box of only wanting to play with like a certain like five people. You know. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and um, and that was cool. You know, I had I had a lot of fun with those guys too. That band definitely. Uh, really didn't fight and you know plus not for nothing but like uh they were definitely like straight edge yeah so um that i want to say that that probably kept me in check a little bit you know because that was 2008 i want to say i joined that band yeah 2007 2008 and uh and i you know my drinking was definitely deliriously out of control still at that point mm. it, it, it wasn't like kid g broke up and like i just like stopped drinking like it, yeah. it was terrible um mm-hmm. but those do well i think I, I i don't think kevin was straight edge but brent and devin were mm. and um, and pogue was and um and that was good because like you know i couldn't be a a knucklehead around those dudes and um so yeah, we did that and we played a lot of good shows and we did a couple tours and pretty good tours, you know, and uh and then we decided, like I said, that uh well Kevin quit the band to go join some pop rock band. And um because he was always hell bent on being uh a rock star, you know. And um but not in like a like he I really don't. I don't. I don't fucking care. I, I'm not friends with him. I, I could not give two shits and a fuck. I don't care. Um, he he made he had he made up this wild excuse as to why he was quitting the band, which I guess I'm guilty of too to some degree or another. But his was like way more outlandish than mine was. Um, and uh, he quit the band to go join. What's that band? Hit the lights or something. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, or some other band. I don't know what the fuck it was, but uh, he wanted to be like a like a like a like check me out on Cribs Rockstar. You know, <laughs> you know. That, did, that, he ever, did he ever achieve that? That you know uh, of? No. <laughs> I mean, I think that the bands, the band he ended up joining was fairly successful. Yeah. You know, they were like a what do you? They were like a junior, uh, like a newfound glory, I guess, along that line of stuff. Yeah. You know, like hardcore kids that are just consciously trying to achieve rock star status you know yeah um 
but then most of the time you realize that, you know, when you go down that, that rabbit hole that unless you really start selling millions of records and getting crazy amounts of Spotify play and airwave play or whatever the hell it was at the time, yeah. you're just never going to reach that kind of crazy commercial level success. It's like it's a lot harder than people think. Um, but anyways, so he quit to go off and do that. And, um, but then we got Nate Derby in the band and uh, who was a phenomenal guitar player and an awfully nice dude. And um, we were really starting to write some pretty, some pretty thick stuff, like some really good shit. And, um, and then we kicked out our singer because apparently that's what bands do. They just kick their singer out because they think that's a good idea. And, um, and we never found anybody to replace Chris. And, um, and then, um, and then Ariel was on the way with child and, um, <laughs> and, um, and the band kind of just fizzled out. And, um, and I, and I think that I, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to commit to being in a full-time functioning touring band. And that band was starting to, to tour a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, so then, you know, whatever, the, the band just kind of broke up, you know, and uh, we just kind of called it. That was the end of it. And then Nate started Such Gold and um, who did, you know, they were, I think they were pretty hot for a minute. I think they're still a band. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if he necessarily plays with them full time all the time, but uh, nobody's playing shit right now anyway. And uh, so, yeah, that was that band. It really wasn't, that was... I mean, that band, I couldn't have been more than a year and a half, maybe two years. I don't even think it was two years. And we did the the seven inch and then we did a uh, an EP and that was it. Okay. So, and then Anthony shows up. Are you out of bands for a while? Um, yes and no. Yeah. Not consciously because i was like oh well i have a, a son now i I can't play in a band mm-hmm. it wasn't that at all it was like there's nobody to play with you mm-hmm. know i just i couldn't start a band you know mm-hmm. um kid gorgeous got back together and did that little reunion thing yeah um, and uh and then Steve left again to join Eaton again. <laughs> like literally, like, like it's not that we were going to do anything serious anyway. I mean, Eric was already gone, and um, you know, but uh, but I certainly was having a good time creating music on with that band again. Yeah. Um, we played some good shows and I think we, uh, Oh wait. Yeah. No. And then, and then I, I fucking, I started wreckage. Yeah. What year did you start wreckage? Uh, 2011. Okay. So wasn't like, I mean, I want to say the heavy hearted thing was over. Like Anthony was born, obviously October, 2008. And I was in the band. So I think the band broke up maybe mid 2009. Mm-hmm. So 
And then we did the Kid G thing. We did that reunion stuff, and uh, which may have been later. I don't know. That may have been 2010. I don't have to check my uh, my notes here. I don't have any notes. Um, it's going off my lazy memory. And um, and then I we went to that Dave Green benefit. You remember that? I don't know if you went to that. Um, I had talked to Racino on and off. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. I was in face to panic. Remember? Were you? Yeah. Where was Jeffers? The band. <laughs> How long were you in face to panic? Uh, not long because they, they broke up. Yeah. You know? So, but yes, I was. I did that. I, I feel like that was that was after Heavy Hearted. So it went Heavy Hearted, Face to Panic, and we played played a few shows, some good ones, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and we played that show with Get Back Up. Okay, and um, and I th- I feel like it was Get Back Up's like one of their last shows. And uh, and I had just talked to Racino, and then we talked more at that Dave Green benefit, and um, and then we just we just made it happen, you know. So yeah, then it, then it was wreckage. So I think that started 2011, you know. Yep. So was the wreckage style to be like a like. Were you setting setting out, you know, yeah, you've got a kid and stuff and you're a little bit older. How serious did you think Wreckage was going to be? I mean, I wanted it to be as serious as we can make it without making it annoying and not fun, you know? Um, But, I mean, the group of dudes that I was playing with at the time when we started it, like... I would say that the only one that had any real, ah, it's not even true. It was, remember, it was me, it was Racino, it was uh, John Turner, um, you know, God rest his soul, uh, and uh, Dan Cross. Yeah. And um, and then Carl, Carl Morse. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was the only one that had a kid. Dan had just recently moved back from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that everybody kind of really could have made it to go right to, to do stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, Carl like lived at home with his parents, I think. And, uh, mm-hmm. but I really, excuse me. Um, I just wanted to write really like fast, shreddy kind of metal, hardcore songs and, um, I really, I wanted to finally have a band where it was like, I, I don't want to say I had creative control over it, but where I could really just use like my songs, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and Racino wrote songs too, um, early on in the band. And I think that once he saw how many songs I was pumping out, like all the time, he kind of just let me write the music. Mm-hmm. Even after Hadalak joined the band, I mean, I think Hadalak consciously contributed one full song 
which was actually a song that he had written for uh, what was that song that, that band he had with Jeffers and Danny Fresh? Oh, the the March. Yes, it yeah. was a March song that never got used. And, uh, but I actually really like. <laughs> it's funny when we were trying out guitar players for Kid Gorgeous. Uh, this guy named uh, Bill Bilson came out and tried out. Yeah. And Hadalak came with him. And I feel like this was before he was even it, in It Dies Today, you know? Mm. And, uh, and like, this was when we were still practicing over at, at the, the Blades Mansion over in Chictawaga. Yeah. Uh, 1190 or whatever it was. And uh, so Bill's like playing, you know, and it's like noodling around on the guitar and he's jamming out. And, and, um, and then Mike picks up the guitar and starts playing. Yeah. Just like murdering this guitar. And I literally look over at John and I'm like, who the fuck is that? Why isn't that dude trying out? You know, like, <laughs> just like, you know, one of those guys where I'm like, okay, that dude can absolutely play his ass off you know and obviously he joined it dies today and that blew up into a huge career for a hot minute from those guys and um but uh so when i got mike in the band that was like a huge i was like oh man like mike is so good at guitar and like he's gonna make this band so much better which he did you know like the very first practice he played with us i was like oh already like 100 percent better you know But there was also a lot of other weird stuff going on at the time. And um, I don't think Dan was really into the music that I was writing. You know, I was writing more like a lot of like hardcore kind of youth crew stuff to start and more like get back up type stuff. And but then I was writing a lot of stuff that was really had a lot of metal influence. And it's not Dan's thing, you know. Yeah. Plus, there were some other things, you know, um, Dan being straight edge. Nobody else in the band being straight edge. And, um, you know, I don't think that that was really his bag. And, uh, you know, us being a bunch of foul potty mouth truckers and stuff like that. Um, I just don't think it was Dan's vibe, you know. Um, you said you wrote music for the band. Um, was that the first band you kind of wrote music for? No, definitely not. I definitely wrote stuff for Kid Gorgeous and... Um, definitely contributed certain ideas to buried alive songs. And um, I always had an active part in choreographing songs and shaping the way things go. And um, a lot of that in kid gorgeous and uh, definitely the structure of stuff, but yeah, wreckage was the first band. Um, and, and actually I wrote, I think on the heavy hearted EP, half of it was my songs um but record i want to say 85 percent my my stuff you know but uh you know that band just kind of mike had some things going on in his life that yeah made it hard for him to commit to being in a band and Mm -hmm. we got rob in the band who's a phenomenal vocalist but a bit lackluster on stage i guess you could say um, I mean, I love him. He's a great singer, but, um, I don't think he brought to the table what Dan did live. Dan was a really, really, really good front man live. And I don't think I quite realized that, you know, 
Yeah. Um, and it's not that I didn't realize it, but like, I didn't think him leaving the band would have such an adverse effect. Cause I definitely think that people did not like us as much after Rob joined the band. Yeah. Uh, Cause we had, we had some pretty good steam for a minute there, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then Nick was going he kinda, to, he kind of sucked momentum out of your sets a lot of the time. I agree. I, I agree. 100%. He, he was, was kind of awkward between songs. Yeah. Awkward and a little just, you know, I don't think he had a lot of con- command over the, the crowd, you know? And um, if Rob is, listens to this it's okay you know i love you and uh i i think it seemed I, like a perfectly nice guy is just you know, um but you know you just you have to be willing as a musician to to be able to confront your own pitfalls and work on them you know there is not a perfect musician out there so like i think that that definitely ended up being a crutch for that band and um aggressive as hell amazing voice you know, but um, I think he, he he ran out of breath a lot on stage and um, which probably was my fault because I would always play our songs at like Mach 10, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, dude, when I when we started that band and I was actually like really committing to like playing fast music again um, and playing with Mike and Nick just literally made me a better drummer again. You know, so we would play live and I would just play things so fast. You know, um, which is not a good thing, but um, but Rob would have a uh, he would get lost or tripped up, and um, but you know, but Nick was doing the the at school. He's going to HVAC school, and that was a pretty big heavy commitment. And um, and uh, plus, um, there was an incident that happened with uh, John and Racino, John Turner, and they had a bad falling out. We kicked John out of the band. And we got Joey in the band, which was great because I loved Joey and Joey's a great musician. And um, But when Rob joined the band, I don't think Nick ever really liked him being in the band. And so Nick started to lose interest and, you know, it just, it just fizzled out, you know. And um, we had a lot of good shows booked and we had to cancel a lot of shows on, on Mike's behalf because of some physical things that he had going on. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, so you were kind of burning bridges with like some good promoters and, you know, nobody books you after that shit, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so that just kind of, I just kind of laid it to rest. And that's also when Joey joined Pure Heel during the wreckage thing, you know, and then Sweeper joined the band too. And, um, which was fine, you know, um, but I think Sweeper kind of came into the band when it was kind of already on its way out, kind of like when I joined Face to Panic, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I joined Face to Panic and Face to Panic was already like one foot out the door, you know? So yeah. Sweeper kind of unfortunately came into the same type of situation, you know? He joined that band, spent like $3 million on gear, and the band broke up a month later. <laughs> I don't think it was a month, but um, yeah, he definitely... Dude, he was going crazy, man. He spent like $12,000 on gear and like, but whatever, man. I mean, that was, that was, uh, that was what he wanted to do. And he was working and he had some coin in his pocket. And I think he wanted to get a lot of this stuff back that he, that he had before. And yeah, he always wanted a Mark series, uh, amp and, but whatever, you know, I mean, sweeper, he's got plenty of stuff going on, I think. Um, maybe, I don't know, 
I haven't talked to him in a while. It's been a hot minute since I talked to Chris. I should text him and see how he's doing. Um, um, all right. So, anyways, yes, yeah, so right. the wreckage broke up. So, how, what? How does? How do you join Pure Heal? Um, and how do you now play guitar in a band? <laughs> how do I what? You now play guitar in a band. Oh, I thought you said, "How do I not play guitar in a band?" <laughs> um, I mean, that's. I take. I told the story. Uh, Joey joined the band. I heard the demo. I was like, "Oh, this is really good. Like, this is super, just upfront, in your face, kind of just raw punk." And you know, um, I obviously love Jay to death, and uh, thought the drumming was pretty awesome on it. And but they only had one guitar player. Yeah. And, uh, I just kept asking Joey. I just bum rushed him all the time. I was like, yo, ask Jay if I can be in the band. Ask Jay if I can be in the band. And he was like, no, man, I think that Jay just wants one guitar player. And I was like, well, it could be good with two guitar players, you know? Because at this point, I was basically shit out of luck, like playing drums. Yeah. I had nobody to play drums with in a band at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, except for the the you know, the BA reunion stuff, which we were, that was kind of coming into the fold, but that wasn't going to be a, a, a real thing, you know? Um, but, and one day I just bypassed Joey and I just asked Jay, I was like, can I be, I said, you need a second guitar player for your band. And he goes, I was thinking about that. Do you know anybody? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, me. And he was like, oh, I forgot you play guitar. And I was like, yes, I play guitar. And he was like, yeah, like, I, like, you know, just wasn't thinking along that lines. And he basically was like, yeah, cool, you're in the band. And I was like, well, I want to come and try out, you know. And he was like, no, just bring your stuff and come to practice. And I'll give you the songs and you can learn the songs. And you're just, you're in the band, you know. And I think that was really just kind of our lengthy friendship and always getting along like peaches and cream and um yeah. having a ton of respect for jay and um being you know in in a dude that i looked up to growing up and um but i showed up to practice and i literally had like i had no amp <laughs> i had like the crappiest guitar ever except for the guitar that i've had like my whole life but that thing had been beaten kicked thrown downstairs by crazy ex-girlfriends and needed a lot of work so i literally showed up with this guitar that my buddy garbage picked for me and had it fixed and gave it to me i had no amp i had to borrow joey's amp you know so it was like hilarious but i knew the songs i got to practice and i knew the songs not a hundred percent but i knew them enough to like get through them yeah. And, um, and that was that. And then I was in Pure Heel. And, um, and I'm still in Pure Heel. And I love the band to death. And I love everybody in the band. And it's just a, it's just a good experience to, A, finally play guitar in a band. Yeah. And I would be a liar to tell you that the first five shows we played – I was so awkward and uncomfortable and had no idea what to do with myself up there playing guitar. It was really strange, you know? And um, I think I've gotten better at it. Oh, that was the other thing too, is that I had never really played guitar standing up. 
I always and I told Jay that I said, dude, I I like I have a hard time playing guitar standing up. Like I only sit down when I play guitar. And he was like, well, you're gonna have to learn, you know. So yeah. the very first show we played uh, was with that that place that was next to Amy's place for a hot minute there. Yeah. Um, I literally just, I think I stood there like a statue, man. It was like, I really had to like not move around at all. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, so that's how I got into Pure Heel. I just kind of schmoozed my way in. I, think I guess I, if I had, didn't know how to play guitar, obviously Jay would have been like, I love you, but you're terrible. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you could be, you could do merch or something, you know. Have you played any of their releases? Yeah, um, the last three things that have come out, I've been on. Oh, yeah, just asking, man. Let's do an interview. Yep, um, <laughs> yep. Uh, the new, the new seven inches out, check it out, Irish Voodoo Records. And, um, they actually they have, a, they have a lot of good releases coming out. Um, they're doing Juggernaut too, which is awesome. I took the picture on the cover of the Pure Heel record. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> So, uh, very very uh dag nasty ish yep <laughs> um but it's fun the dudes are just it's like i said it's just uh and i mean I, i'll be honest with you you know like like usually if uh if there's anything funky going on it's my own mentality of me being in a bad mood or being tired or something but yeah. for the most part uh i would say we are 90 eight and a half percent uh simpatico um good cool yeah ben's Ben's a lot of fun i didn't really get it until i saw you like the recordings i thought it was like it was good but it didn't really like fully click to me until i saw you guys and it's a lot of fun i mean who who the fuck knows when i'll actually get to see you again but seriously no i think that the band is uh is fun live and eric is a really good front man and um you know joey is awesome and i don't know it's just a good vibe and i think i think people are digging it so we're as long as people are digging it and we're having fun um covet aside we have zero reason to to not do it and we've been practicing and we have a a ton of new material that we've been writing lately and Mm -hmm. you know it's all it's all good there's nothing negative about that band at all Cool. Um, do you want to talk about your other band, or can you talk about that band? The new band? Yeah. Um. Well, basically, me and another fella who is super awesome. Uh, he asked if uh, we wanted to do a band, and me play drums, and we recruited a couple other younger dudes and um Mm. who are already in and have been in a ton of really good buffalo bands uh and we jammed and we have some material and we are going to be jamming again this week to continue it and uh it's going to be cool it's going to be fun um i mean i already have some some demos of the stuff that we jammed out and there's been some vocals uh, not recorded a hundred percent, but like some mm-hmm. spoken vocals over the, the practice recordings. And yeah. 
it's pretty good, man. You know, I uh, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna hit really hard, and hopefully, once we actually get it out, I, I think that, like I said, it's it's we want to kind of inject a little adrenaline into Buffalo's hardcore scene, and yeah. um, hopefully it'll work. You know, I think that the element of the dudes in the band is is right for what we're going to do, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. People could say whatever, not care. I don't know. You know? Yeah. And uh, it might be 2028 before we're actually be able to play. <laughs> again. What kind of style is it in? It's fast and aggressive and in your face and short songs and just gut punching. And it's not, it's not dialed up with, too many parts or lack thereof and unnecessary stuff. And it's just going to be aggressive and hopefully have all of the elements of what got us excited to be in the hardcore in the first place. So I guess the interview is probably is just about over. I feel like we should probably let Mark get to sleep. <laughs> Okay, boys, good night. Good night. Hopefully, see you soon. Man. I'll get in touch with you. <laughs> Yeah.